0: Jackie, Jackie's going to have uh, oral surgery,
1: and uh, let's just pray in the spirit and uh, just let's just uh, lift up the Lord. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we honor you, we praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Father. Father, we do magnify you. Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Father, we glorify you. Father, we thank you that you are the good God, that, that you are our, that, Father, we're so thankful that you're the creator of heaven and earth. You're the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the author and finisher of our faith, the writer of the word. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you've done for us. Father, all the times that you've rescued us that, we don't even, that we're not even aware. All the times you brought us a supply and, we weren't, and we're not even aware that it was at your hand. Father, we're so thankful for everything, every provision you've ever pray, pray, provided for us. Father, we're so thankful for every protection that you provided for us. Father, we're so thankful for laborers that you sent into our life. Father, we're so thankful that you're weaving the tapestry of our life together, intertwining and, inter- and interplacing people in and out of our life, Father God. Father, we're so thankful for God connections that you bring into our life. Father, we just give you glory and honor. Father, we thank you for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus, as a living example as a living sacrifice a perfect slain a perfect lamb slain for all the world. Father, we're so thankful for your willingness to be to be separated from your son for a period of time. And Father, we give you glory and honor. Lord Jesus We praise You, we thank You, for You are the Word made flesh. You are our bread of life. You are our living water. And Lord, You're our Savior, our Redeemer, our kinsman, our confidant. Father, we're so thankful for our Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for You. We're so thankful that You're our atonement and our paraclete. Father, we're so thankful... Oh, we're thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful, yes. Father. We're well, thank so you. thankful, we're so Father. We're thankful for our Lord Jesus yes. and for our Holy Ghost, the Comforter, our, in, our inward umpire, the light on, upon our, the, the lamp upon our feet and upon our path. Father, our, our advocate, our go-between, our intercessor, our helper, and Father, we're so thankful for the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that you live and dwell in fellowship with us spirit to spirit so that we can be connected to the Father and to the Lord Jesus. We're so thankful that you find us fit in in, in the blood of Christ to be your housing place. And, oh, Holy Spirit, we just thank you and we honor you and we glorify you. and We magnify you, Father. Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you do, for your leading and for your guiding and for your equipping of the saints. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we thank you and we thank you. And we praise you and we praise you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, we thank you, and we thank you, and we thank you, and we thank you. Father, Father <laughs> we don't thank and give the Godhead the honor and glory that we should, and Father, we're so sorry for that. But, Father, we do praise you. And, Father, we do look forward to our time of fellowshipping with the body. We look forward to our time of coming together as the body and getting to hear from heaven. And, Father, getting to worship from the earth to worship you in the throne room. Father, we're so thankful that there's no distance in the spirit in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, this is a time of teaching this is, a, this is a time that you've led us and guided us and directed us that we're to teach at this time. We're to, we're to um, educate in the law, uh, or in, in the law of the word, I should say. Not, not the old law, but the, the law of the word, the life of the word. And so, Father, you know the hearts of the people. You know the minds of the people. You know the needs of the people. Michael and I don't know it, but you know it. So, Father, we ask that you just drop down in our hearts the word that you have for your people tonight. Father, that you drop down that which they need to hear. Father, we ask for supernatural wisdom, revelation, and knowledge in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, we put you in remembrance of James and John and Josh and the rest of the Rutledge family Father, we thank you that your hand is upon them, that you're strengthening, you're equipping them. We bind, Satan, we bind you in your spirit of grief. uh, We put you in remembrance that you're bound and you cannot touch that family in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we thank you for having your hand upon each and every person of Disciples House. Father, that you're bringing them supernatural provision, supernatural strength supernatural healing, supernatural recovery, supernatural, oh, Father God, provision in this day and in this hour. And, Father, I ask that you think through mine and Michael's mind, you speak through our lips the very oracles of God, that you lead and guide and direct us in the direction that we need to go tonight. And, Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, we're just going to follow the spirit. I'm not exactly sure which way we want, which way we're going to go, but we'll just start here in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, chapter one, just seems to be the place that we need to get to and the place that we need to start. Um, Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Actually, hold your plate. Go, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians. We're going to come back. The Lord just dropped another scripture in my heart. Let's go there, and, and uh, I'll tell you when I get there, once I make sure that I'm leading you to the right place. Because I know as soon as I say a scripture, you're going to write it down. I'm going to say, no, that's not where you need to go, and then you're going to get fussy at me because I messed up your perfect pretty notes. So I don't want to mess up your perfect and pretty notes. So I'll tell you when to get when I know exactly where we're going. Uh, So hold your place there in 1 Corinthians, but turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And we're going to pick up here in... uh, Jesus had just cast a demon out, and the Pharisees were all up in a to-do, and he said he casted the devils out by the devils. And uh, so let's pick up in Matthew chapter 9, verse
0: 35. All right. <clears throat> and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and that healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So I want
1: you to notice, Jesus went about all cities and villages. Jesus was on the move. He was not just sitting back, taking it easy, and just thought, well, I think I'll just wander on down the road to this town over here. And No, he was actively, it said that he was going to all the cities and all of the villages he wasn't leaving any place untouched in his journey, and he was. And notice he was. He was doing a couple of things. He was teaching in their synagogues. Can you imagine if Jesus showed up in in Turkey? Uh, huh? Yep. <laughs> She's just reminding me of our of our confession. We're gonna kind of stay out. We'll, we'll just skip it tonight. Y'all do it in your heart. Uh, it's a good <laughs> thing to do. But remember. Um, can you imagine if Jesus showed up in Cherokee and Clay County and went to all our synagogues? Can you imagine? I know many years ago, there was like something like just under 300 in the two counties. But how much? you know Jesus wouldn't go to all of them? What do you mean he wouldn't go to all of them? Because not all of them are called by God. They're not all called by God. But uh, Jesus went to all the synagogues in their day, which meant that uh, they didn't have as many uh they didn't have as many uh churches or synagogues trying to meet the needs of the people that we have today and when i say the needs of the people i mean well this church has got to have this mu- you know i need a church that has this kind of music and i need a church that has singles or i need a church that's for married with children or i need a church for that's got a daycare. And i got to see churches today are all about what the people want. Synagogues back then were about, for the most part, they, the, the reason that they were established was on the idea to actually do things God's way. And now they messed it up. Surely they messed it up. We see that time and time again. But uh, Jesus was going to the... He was going to uh, cities. He was going to villages. He was teaching in their synagogues and preaching... The gospel of the kingdom. What was he doing? He was teaching and he was preaching. Mm-hmm. And healing every sickness and every disease. Did it say that he was only healing a few? Nope. No, it said he was healing all of, of regular, you know, quick, over, quick sicknesses and of long-term diseases. He was healing all of them. And so how much, you know, Jesus was seeing some things.
0: Let's keep reading. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He
1: said, but when he saw the multitudes, in other words, everywhere he was going, he was seeing hundreds and thousands of people. And they were being, uh, and they were coming. Notice what he said. He had compassion on them. In other words, he was overtaken with the compassion of the Father for what reason? Because they fainted and were scattered having no shepherd.
0: You know having what I, no shepherd. You know what I see here? He was going into the synagogues, which they didn't have churches back then. They had synagogues. So he was going in there and he was, and he was preaching to them and, and teaching the gospel to them. And he was healing the sickness and disease of everybody that was among the people or everybody that was in the synagogues, but then the multitude is the people that, that is the others the, the Gentiles and the Romans and the Greeks that, that weren 't going to the synagogues, and there was a lot of them that were sick as well
1: well th- and, they, and
0: they didn 't have a shepherd that,
1: that, that is true he is true it is true because he, he said he was going to all of the synagogues. And now we saw earlier in Matthew that he did outside teaching because of the amount of people that were following them. I don't think sermon on the, the Sermon on the Mount was the only outside of the synagogue sermon that Jesus did. In fact, we saw often that he that the multitude would follow him, and he would stop on the mountainside, or he would stop and get in a boat, and and what have you. So what he saw was he saw there was a multitude of people coming. That look at what it said. It said he had compassion because they were as sheep. He didn't call the people sheep, but he said they were as sheep having no shepherd. And now a shepherd, well, I think we're going to get into this series next week um, because talking about the shepherd is not where we're going tonight. But, he, but uh, you need to understand that the word that uh, is used as pastor Over there in um, uh, Ephesians where it talks about, you know, God gave man gifts, or Galatians, uh, where he said he gave gifts unto man, that same word that's, that's translated pastor there in every other place of the New Testament, it's translated as shepherd. So we could say it this way. God gave gifts unto men. He gave apostles. He gave prophets. He gave evangelists. He gave under-shepherds and teachers, and we would do no harm to the scriptures. Or he gave shepherds and teachers. But notice what moved Jesus with compassion, this is what I want you to see, what moved him with compassion is the people had no one to shepherd them. Now, we'll get into this in another teaching, but a shepherd, the job of a shepherd is to protect and care for the sheep. In the simplest terms. There's a lot more to it. It's a lot more involved. But the simplest terms is the shepherd, the biggest job of the shepherd is, number one, make sure the sheep get food. Number two, make sure that the wolves and the lions and the other predators don't gobble up the sheep. That was the the job. So let's read a little bit more because we want to see something here.
0: Verse 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. He
1: looked out at the multitude. As like Pastor Mike said, the Romans, the Greeks, the Jews that weren't following the law, he looked all the different types of Gentiles, he looked out at the multitude that was following them, and he said, man, he said, the harvest is plentiful. In other words, There's a whole lot of people that are going to die and go to hell. That's really what Jesus was saying. He said, but the laborers, the laborers are few. There's lots and lots of people that need a shepherd. There's lots and lots of people that need a teacher. There's lots and lots of people that need uh, the evangelist, the pastor, the prophet, there's a lot of people out there that need fellow help from Christians, or from, from Christians in leadership, but yet there's few laborers. So then he said this, verse 38.
0: Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest.
1: Glory to God. So Jesus, looking out of the multitude of people, looking out across the, the whole region of Judea, ju- just in Judea alone, looking across there, he said, Lord, basically what he was saying is, I need you disciples to pray that the Father God will call people to labor in the kingdom, to work for the kingdom. That's what he was asking For people to pray. And uh, immediately in chapter 10, we see the following. We're not going to read all of it. Let's read a little bit of it in chapter 10. All
0: right. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of these 12 apostles were these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, Alphaeus, and uh, Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel.
1: Okay, so he took his twelve disciples. Now, notice there were disciples that were following him. There were disciples that were following him. I mean, there was a multitude of people, and they were all clamoring to be a disciple. But out of all the people following him, there were only twelve disciples. ...that qualified to be sent out. There were only 12 that qualified. Now later on we see that there's a great multitude following Jesus. And a great multitude is thousands to ten thousands to a hundred thousand people. There's a massive quantity of people. And Jesus only sent out 70. Only 70 out of thousands qualified to be sent out. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Now here, Jesus is talking about the last days. Let's pick up in verse 4.
0: And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man you. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong verse,
1: wrong chapter. Matthew 22.
0: 22.
1: Right. Sorry, my bad. Matthew 22. Jesus was speaking some parables here. And Jesus uh, uh, is talking about, he's doing some teachings, he's around the dinner table. He's talking about the, the, um, master that that makes the marriage supper and he sends his servants out and and uh they go out into the highways and the and and they're trying to find people to get in to come to the service and to come to the dinner and finally somebody shows up at the dinner in verse 11 and and they're not wearing the right clothing they're not dressed appropriately and uh the lord uh, and and jesus says in verse 13 uh, that the king's servants bound him hand and foot and took him away. So here, they, here here, the servants are out in the roads. They're in the highways and the hedges and everything, and they're saying, we've got a great master. This great master has performed this wonderful marriage supper, and we need guests to fill the table. Come fill the table. Now, if you get a wedding invitation in the mail, uh, are you gonna? What's one of the things you're gonna think about when you when you decide to go to the wedding?
0: What am I gonna wear?
1: What am I gonna wear? What kind of wedding is it? Now weddings have gotten pretty slack in our generation, but I mean, nor, but I mean, you know, when Michael and I got married, it was, you know, is this a formal? Is this a semi-formal? Is this a black tie affair? Is this a? Is this a summer afternoon? You know, uh, is this a, what kind of wedding is it? What's the attire? What are we to wear? Why? Because you don't want to go in not dressed appropriately giving the bride and the groom the honor that they're due. And, you know, when somebody shows up, you know, if it's a black tie wedding and somebody shows up in their, you know, cutoffs and t-shirt and uh, their flip-flops, you think they're coming in? (laughs) No. No. No, they're not coming in.
0: Not if you got some good ushers.
1: Not if, not if you've got people paying attention to what's going on. You know, uh, that's, that's not going to happen. Well, that was what was happening here. Well, somebody, so they had this big elaborate wedding feast. How much do you know when Jesus comes back, it's going to be a big elaborate wedding feast? And, and we need to be dressed appropriately. We need to be dressed appropriately. And they had been, they had been, um, I mean, they had been everywhere trying to get guests to fill the table. But I want you to look at this. Let's finish reading verse 13 and 14. Let's uh, read 13 and 14 together.
0: Then the king uh, then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen.
1: How much do you know this is talking about heaven and hell? This is talking about heaven and hell. And the Lord said, many, "Many, many, 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 many have been called to the wedding feast of Jesus, but few are cho- chosen
0: to attend." Now, in this parable, pretty much everyone was called.
1: Oh yeah, I mean they called. They went e- everyone. I mean they it, went out and beat the bush. They literally went out and literally beat the bushes to get people out of the bushes that were living in the bushes, they literally beat the bushes to get the people out of the bushes and said, by the way, we, we got this great wedding, come to the wedding. I mean, everybody was called. Yeah. But and I want most of them
0: came up with excuses of why they couldn't come or wouldn't come.
1: So, so God calls every single person on the planet to the wedding feast, uh, to, to the heaven. But many reject the wedding feast. Many reject the Father. Many reject the Lord Jesus. Many reject being the, broom bride, the, 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 the bridegroom's uh, wife. And, uh, you know, uh, many reject this. But I want you to really look at verse 14. It says, many are called, but few are, are chosen. chosen. Being chosen is, is your choice. You getting chosen is your choice. Now, this sounds like I'm giving a salvation message, and it could definitely go that way. There's no doubt about it. But that's not the direction that the Lord wants us to take this. The way that the Lord wants us to take this is because there's a lot of people that get called and they respond to the, to the wedding ceremony. But when they get into it, when they respond to the wedding ceremony, then the groom comes and the groom says, I need you to be in the wedding party. I need you to be a best man. I need you to be a maid of honor. Or an usher. I need you to be an usher. I need you to be a parking lot attendant. I need you to help prepare the food. I need you... To, to help the, now that, it seems how you responded earlier, I need you to be part of the party that goes out and collects all the guests, goes out beating the bushes, I need you to go out and help get the marriage supper ready, now, our ministry is called, when, when we sat down with Brother Randy and said, well, we're fixing to, you know, we just took on a church and we've opened the church and, you know, we're, we're, this is what the Lord told us to do and this is what we're doing. He said, what's the name of it? That's one of the first things he asked us. He said, what's the name of it? And I said, well, the Lord told us to, to name it Disciples House. And he looked at me and my, he said, you mean to tell me you're going to make disciples of the Lord Jesus? And I said, well, yes, sir, that's what the Lord told us to do. He said, well, praise God. He said, it's it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Praise the Lord. You're going to make disciples. It's a miracle. Well, praise the Lord. Um, But part of being an actual disciple, no, not everybody, but part of being an actual disciple, now, you notice there was a multitude. And, 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 And who got sent out?
0: Twelve at first.
1: The disciples.
0: And then 70.
1: The actual disciples got called out. So there's been a theme that's followed Michael and I through the years. And, it, and the theme is, is that a, a, not everyone, but a higher, than a higher than 50% average of the people that the Lord sends to us, they know, they'll come to, they'll say, I know I'm called to ministry. I know I'm called to ministry. I'm supposed to do ministry of some type. Some have said, I know that I know the Lord's called me to children's ministry. I know, others have said, I know that I know that I'm called to youth ministry. Others have said, I know that I'm supposed to go travel to other nations. Others have come and said, I'm supposed to be a pastor. I don't think anybody, I, don't, I think everybody was smart enough not to say, I'm supposed to be an, a prophet, because that comes with time. But, but I mean, it just about every area. How much do you know? That means, so there's the calling to the family, but then there's the calling to service. Many are called to the family. And of those that respond to the calling of the family, there's also many in the calling of the family or that are in the family that are also called to ministry. And just like few are chosen to come into the family, that's their choice. Even fewer are chosen for ministry, and that is also their choice. The biggest thing that I have heard that we have heard from every person that we have dealt with that has had this knowing on the inside the the number one question that they ask is why me why me why me why why lord why me lord i'm busted lord i'm broken lord i'm a hot mess lord i got a stutter lord i got ADD i got ADD ADD ADHD AD I, I, I got every letter of the alphabet behind my name Lord, I'm, 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 Lord, I'm an introvert. I don't really like to be around people. Lord, I, I, I got problems. You want me to stand up and preach to people? I can't do that. I dropped out of college because I wouldn't take, because I wouldn't stand up and give a report. So all I had to do was read. Why? I'm so glad you asked. Go to First Corinthians.
0: One of my favorite ones is, I don't like people. I don't, li-
1: <laughs> I don't like people. Well, you know what?
0: <laughs> right.
1: I don't like, I told the Lord. The Lord told, I mean, I was in the Episcopal Church as a teenager. And the Lord spoke to me in an almost audible voice and said, you're going to be a pastor one day up there ministering. And I laughed at the I literally laughed out loud in the middle of a church service that you're supposed to be a church mouse in. I laughed out loud and said, ha, God, that shows you what you know. Women aren't allowed to be ministers.
0: Here I we are. At least that's what you've been taught at that point. That's
1: what I've been taught at that time. How about you know, you ought to quit getting man's opinion and getting the word and find out what it says for yourself. Amen. Come on, get in the Word and find out what it says for itself. Don't you know that the first people that Jesus appeared to and said, go tell them I'm here, were women? Don't you know the first people Jesus said, go preach of my my resurrection? Go preach, go tell the men were women? Does that mean that women are supposed to outnumber men in the pulpit? I don't think so. The Bible says that God's no respecter of persons. Glory to God. But why me, Lord? Why me? Why? Well, First Corinthians chapter 1 will give you the answer. First Corinthians chapter 1 will give us the answer. Glory 1. to God. No, we don't have to start right there at verse 1. Lord, we wouldn't get to the verse we need to. Oh, my goodness. Let's start in verse... Uh, mm, well... Let's start in. Uh,
0: let's start in verse twenty three. Okay. <laughs> let's start in verse twenty three. But we preach Christ crucified. Man, I'm tongue tied today. <laughs> we preach Christ crucified into the Jews. A into, stu- unto. unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness.
1: This is what this is what Paul said. Paul said, "Listen," he said, "We're preaching Christ." Crucified. See, the Jews believed that when their Messiah came, that their Messiah was coming with a mighty angel and a mighty army from heaven, and that the Messiah was going to show up and was going to just overrun their their uh, persecutors, just going to overthrow who was Rome at the time. That the, the, the Messiah was going to show up and just bulldoze Rome. And, and take his throne and rule him from ev- forever and ever. But here come the believers of Christ, the disciples who said, Jesus is the Messiah and, 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 and they were preaching cruc- cruc- They were preaching Christ crucified, which totally went against what the Jews believed about their Messiah. And he said, we preach it to the Jews, And to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. They're tripping and falling all over their faith. To the Gentiles, what we preach is foolishness. If you've ever witnessed to anybody that questions the things of God, how much you know, I don't know if you've had this issue. I've had it. I've been called a fool. I've been called brainwashed. Well, glory to God, yes, I have had my brain washed. It's been, wa- the, the stupidity of Satan has been washed out and the righteousness of Christ has been washed in. Glory to God, yes, I have been brainwashed and I got the mind of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, he said, you know, he said, he said, this that we preach to to the world is foolishness. Well, glory to God, if you're going to be a fool, be a fool for Christ. <coughs> Come on! If you're going to be a fool, be a fool for Christ. Don't don't build don't build your life on being a fool for Satan. Come on.
0: All right. Verse twenty-four. Yep. Okay. But unto them which are called both Jews. No. Yeah. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God.
1: He said we're He said we're preaching Jesus to the Jews and the Gentiles. We're preaching Jesus, which is both the power and the wisdom of God. Listen, when you preach the gospel, and and don't let that word preach mess you up. That word preach simply means to proclaim. We have a little bit of a situation in our community, and I, I love our Baptist brothers and sisters, and I'm not dogging on them in any way, shape, or form. I'm just trying to help the church understand the difference. To preach means to proclaim. If you have a preacher in your pulpit, they're proclaiming Christ, which is why that they're so good at getting people saved, because the declaration of Christ will lead people to salvation. That's the purpose of it. If you have a pastor, that pastor is going to lead you, guide you, teach you, develop you. They're going to lead you to the good ground. They're going to lead you to the still waters. They're going to teach you how to deal with the enemy. They're going to help protect you from the enemy. When there's something going on in when you when you're getting over into stuff that you shouldn't be going over into, the shepherd's going to warn, you know, run, the, you know, they're going to sound the alarm, things like that. So a pastor teaches and protects, a preacher proclaims. Every born-again child of God can preach at least one sermon. And that one sermon is your testimony. Now, the more testimonies you have, the more sermons you have. But everybody can preach one good sermon, and that's their testimony. So when he said... um, uh, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, uh, Christ, I'm sorry, the one before it, he said, preach. There we go. But we preach Christ. That simply means we proclaim Christ. Proclaim Christ. That's all it means. So don't get all tangled up. Oh, They want me to preach. I just want you to talk about the goodness of God. That's all I want you to do. All right, let's keep going.
0: All right, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. So even God, God at his worst point, his foolish points, is wiser than every man.
1: Yeah, God's funniest, silliest moment is, is, is better than, man, than all of man's wisdom. I mean, I've had God tell me a couple of jokes. You know, he, he'd say something to me kind of joking, but man, there was some stern correction in there. How much, you know, a little sugar helps the medicine go down. And I was like, well, Lord, you got jokes, but uh, that was kind of a hard blow right there, Lord. It stung a little bit, did it? That, that, that kind of <laughs> stung. That didn't feel real good.
0: Come on. All right. And the weakness of God is stronger than men.
1: Come on. God at his weakest point is stronger than any man at his strongest point.
0: For ye see your calling. Brethren, uh,
1: what what did he say?
0: He said, "You see your calling." Uh, what do you say? You see your calling. You
1: see your calling. You see it. You see that you've got a calling. The Lord has showed it to you. He's revealed it to you. He said, "You can see it." Now, are you seeing it with your physical eye? Did God did, did God bring a uh, an airplane through the sky and said, "Zach, you are called," and this is what it looks like, and there's a picture. That's not what happens. No, you see it in the spirit. You see it. Maybe, maybe God's given you a dream. Maybe you had a vision of it. Maybe all you have is a knowing down on the inside, but in your spirit you can see it. That's what this is talking about. He said you see your calling. Now I've said this before. You'll never obtain what you cannot see. Which is why God makes it so that you can see it. Because if you can see it, then you can obtain it.
0: Come on. All right. For ye see your calling, brethren, now that... Or sisters, Or sisters. All right. So when you see your calling, uh, brothers or sisters, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called.
1: Notice he said, this is what the Lord said. Or Paul said, he said, when you look around, when you look around at people that are called, when I look around the room, when you look around the room, do you see wise people in the flesh? You know, people, think about people that you know that they've said, oh, I have a calling. Did you think, man, that's the wisest person I've ever met a day in my life? I know it's not. Man, he said, no, he said he doesn't call wise men. He doesn't call mighty men. He doesn't call noble men. It's real interesting when you get around. Michael and I have been around ministry long enough. You know, when you first start off and you're a peon in ministry, you don't get to be around the ministers a whole lot because you're busy running and serving and doing this and doing that, and you really don't fully understand everything that you're seeing. But once you get some seasoned, once you're a little seasoned, and you make some God connections, and you get around ministers, oh, my goodness. You get a room full of ministers. And you talk about a hot mess before Jesus got a hold of them. It's, I mean, I've gone, we've gone and sat with ministers. I mean, a nice group of, you know, get, get out of a service, get a nice group of ministers together. Everybody's, oh, it's wonderful. Oh, the word's so good. Oh, the word's so good. And it's, oh, you want to go lunch? Oh, let's go to lunch. You go to lunch? And it's crickets around the table. Why is it crickets around the table? Because everybody sitting at the table is an introvert. They're all afraid to talk. They're all like, small talk is a foreign concept to them. Finally, somebody will say something about the Bible. And then it's like, duh, 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 duh. I mean, it's like you set off a fire alarm. Woo, ah! And then that conversation gets done, and it's crickets. And finally, I mean, it's crickets. Why? Because they're all, they're all used to their little closed-off shelves. They don't want anybody to know. I mean, talk about hot messes a large number of uh, we really like it. Listen, we really like it when we get a minister that comes to lunch with us that has a checkered past. We really like it when they have a checkered past cuz then we can ask them about their crazy stories. We tell we say tell us tell us about. And we love when Larry and Angela will get here and we we'll, and, and and you know Larry He used to share it publicly. You know, Larry used to drug, uh, used to deal in dope. You know, and he used to hide it in the VW bug. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And go over the Canadian line with it. And he'd tell us all these stories. And uh, he tells how he, you know, he, he dressed like a gangster now, us older people. You younger people won't understand this. But remember, uh, you know, uh, us older people, remember years back when they'd wear the button-up shirts and they'd be unbuttoned about halfway and they'd had all the gold the around it? Look, 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 Bob's over there smiling. I remember them days. <laughs> yeah, I remember him too. He said, oh, yeah, he said, I had all the bling. He said, this generation thinks they know something about bling. He said, honey, we wore real bling back then. <laughs> we were the we wore the real thing back then. Oh no, we love it when we get when we get somebody who's got a checkered because now we got something to talk about. Now we got something to find out about, you know. But you get ones around that were just too that just that were just real mousy and didn't do much, and yeah, they were just completely withdrawn and full of fear and full of anxiety, and they tell you stories like. I, I I used to be so scared that I would sit in my room in the dark and cry. Like we're like, well, that's not what's something we want to talk about. <laughs> I mean, you're right. We're like, we're like, well, praise the Lord, you got set free and redeemed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, no. When you get around ministers, you'll find out they're some of the most. They were before Jesus got a hold of them. They were some of the most broken people. They were drug addicts. They were alcoholics. They were, they were in, involved in all kinds of filth and mess. They were, they were completely isolated. They were sickly, and some of them were very, very sickly. I was one of the sickly ones, very sickly. Uh, but you know, so God is not, God does not look. He's not looking for people full of wisdom. He's not looking for people full of knowledge. He's not looking for the, for the star athlete. He's not looking for the... He's,
0: he's not looking for the heroes or the, or the kings and queens.
1: He's not looking for them. Why is he not looking for them? Because they already have so much natural... They, they've already been gifted with natural ability that if God bestowed his gifts upon them... They would, it's very easy to get the big head when the spirit starts to use you that they would begin to take credit for it and the devil would use it to take them down. Let's read a little bit more.
0: All right. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise.
1: He's chosen the student that struggled all the way through school. He's chosen the ones with the learning disabilities. He's chosen the ones with the speech impediments. He's chosen the ones that are partially blind or legally blind. He's chosen the ones that that were crippled that he healed. He's chosen the ones that have been emotionally bankrupt. He's chosen the ones that have been through rough and bad relationships. He's chosen the ones that have been bound up in fear and anxiety and worry. He's chosen the ones that have been sick, he's chosen, if man, if, I mean, if we were in the interview process for ministers, okay, well, you've got to be able to teach, you got to be able to have compassion, you got to be able to communicate well, you've got to be able to read and, and comprehend what you read, You've got to be able to manage your time well. You've got to have a lot of energy because ministers don't get a lot of time off. You've got to have a lot of finances because uh, it takes a lot of money to run a ministry. If we listed the qualifications, uh, how much do you know we'd find, we, we wouldn't find many that qualified? No. We wouldn't find many that qualify.
0: Or many that would even take the job. Right.
1: And then, yeah, and then we say, okay, you qualify, but here's the requirements of the job. They'd look at you and say, man, I, I, I don't have to work that hard, and I can make way more money. I can, you know, you want me to work 365 days a year for the rest of my life? Um, I'm looking for a retirement path. You know, so why does God choose the foolish things? because it's the foolish things that God can use. See, I qualify as a foolish. Let me just be real frank. In the 7th grade, uh, at the end of at the end of my 7th grade year, I brought home, now I'm I was a whiz in math, always had been a whiz in math, always got A pluses in math. I could knock math out like there was no tomorrow. Now Eng, English, English I had some struggles. I could do the grammar, but the spelling and getting the work done and all, I, I struggled. I was, I was pretty good. I was good in science at that point. You know, I had some good areas, but English was always like, I mean, it was a struggle to bring home a D in that class. Uh, but, you know, and the other classes were all Cs. And then math was like A plus. It was crazy. Well, my seventh grade year, you know, report card time, and uh, I took my report card home. And now at that point in time, we took, uh, we, we had seven classes a day. And I took my report card home. I had six Fs and a D. Well, your D was in math, right, Pastor? No. My D was in gym because they didn't give anybody an F. So technically, I had an F in, I had an F in that class, too, because the lowest the coach would give you was a D. Mom Thank God she had enough sense to fight for her child. Thank God. And uh, she went and talked to the school system. And they said, well, you know, we don't know what's wrong with your child. You know, you probably, and she, I mean, she got a hold of them. I don't know how she did it. But she got a hold of them. And for the next four days, I would get off the bus. And one of the faculty ladies was standing at the bus waiting for me. And I'd go to her office. And I'd sit in that office, and we would run, we'd go through tests from the time I got to school to the time that the bell rang to go to the bus. I sat there all day for four days doing test after test after test after test. I mean, you get your little breaks, of course, but it was, I mean, I didn't go to my classes. I literally, four days of testing. At the end of four days, they sat us down and they said, "We know what's wrong with you." I said, "You do?" They said, "Yep." Now at that point, computers had just become a thing, and one of the classes that I got an F in uh, was computers, computer basics. You know, that's where in, in that class they teach you: this is the plug, you put it in the wall. This is the this is the um, the little floppy disk insert, and this is how the floppy disk is, and you put it in there, and you type in, you know. Uh, you know, you type in, you know, run dot com, you know, or command colon com dot dot, 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 dot dot you know, to get the computer to make a graph. I mean, it was early computers. Basic, basic, basic. So they said, they said well, they said, they said, how do you do, how, do you understand your computers? And I said, oh, yeah, and I could tell them about the computer. And they said, good, this will help you understand what's wrong with you. And I said, okay. They said, well, the really good news is, is you have a fourth, a fourth year college math level. I could do math problems that I had never seen a day in my life and get the answer right. And they'd ask me, how, how do you know that's the answer? I said, I don't know, but that's the answer. I mean, I could, I could knock it out. But then they'd give me to read a little something, and I'd trip and stumble all over it. And they'd say, well, tell me what you just read. I don't have a clue. Well, let me. And I said, I don't have a clue what I just read. Don't have a clue. And they said, okay. So my reading level was at the second grade. This is the end of my seventh grade year. So I was that far apart on the learning scale. They said, this is what we have figured out. They said, think of your brain as the, as the, as the memory unit, the, the processor and all that, the insides of the computer. Uh, uh, your brain is the computer. And I said, well, okay. I said, I can understand that. They said, you know, you use a keyboard to put stuff in to the computer. And I said, yeah. They said, think of your eyes as the keyboard. And I said, well, that's a little weird, but okay. Use your eyes to put information in. I said, okay. They said, now you got that little that little thing on the you know, got that little thing that you use and you know, called the mouse. And I said, yeah, I know what the mouse is. They said, and you can use it to put information in the computer. And I said, yeah. They said, think of that as your ears. And I said, okay. They said, well, here's what we figured out from the test that we run. Your, your keyboard works perfectly, and your mouse works perfectly. The information goes into the computer. I said, well, praise God. Well, not then, but I just said, okay. And, uh, well, that's good, I think is what I said. Well, I said. Well, that's good. They said, the problem is in the computer itself, your brain. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, we can prove that by our test, we can tell that all of the information goes in. But somehow, once it's in your brain, only bits and pieces of it remain. They said, so we can give you a list of five things, and immediately you can spit the information back out at us and tell us exactly what the five things were. But if we wait 20 minutes and we ask you to list the five things again, you'll get the first and the middle and the last. Other times, you'll get the first two, miss the next two, and get the last. Other times, you'll get the, the first one, miss the next uh, two, and get the last two. They said there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to what you hold and what you lose. There's a, there's a, there's a foul up in your processors. Well, that's what they said. They said, the other thing that we figured out is your timer doesn't work right. You know, because the, the, the computer keeps time. I said, yeah, they said, yours runs slow. You need more time to process than most people. Oh, okay. So for the rest of 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, I had special classes my grandparents paid for me to have a tutor after school, and I had to completely learn a different way. And even, and, and, and I had to have, before they had IEPs and all that, that, that wasn't a thing back then, I had to have special permission from my principal. I had, I had a letter that I had to show my teachers from the principal that said that I could not take timed tests and, and my homework assignments. I had to be given extra time because I was capable of doing the work. I just couldn't do it as fast as the rest of the students. The other problem that they figured out is that um, when I read, if I read out loud, I retain nothing. If I read in my head, I retain nothing. But if I'm looking at it and I'm hearing it at the same time, I retain it perfectly. Perfectly word for word. So they had to teach me how to read and hear everything at all times. I could not spell to this day I still cannot spell phonetically. You say a word and you know you sound and they say, Oh, just sound it out. I used to hate that when I was in school. I say, Mom, how do you spell this word? She'd say, Sound it out. And I say, and I and I sound it out. And and I'd say, Is that right? She'd say, I don't know. Go look it up in the dictionary. If you don't know how to spell it, how are you supposed to look it up? Come on, now. So frustrating. I had to learn how to spell using lexicons. Anybody in here know what a lexicon is? Oh, I got an empty house. A lexicon are bits of pieces of words that make up other words. So I had to use my really cool memory skills and I actually had to memorize all of the little portions of words. Like, go ahead, ask me to spell interjection. I can whip that thing out because it's in and ter and check and shun. I got that. But you asked me to spell which It don't matter, I'm gonna spell them all wrong. I have to I had to memorize them. I had nearly I don't remember it was three or four hundred words I had to memorize. Because you can't spell them with lexicons. Foolish things of the world. These little mini books back here. When the Lord said, I want you to start reading that you're gonna to need to start reading. I said, Lord, I can't read. He, uh, and, and, I, and I picked up the mini book. It took me a month. It's a little book about this big, maybe a little bigger, maybe about that big. It's probably four sheets of paper, if that. It took me a month to read it because I'd have to read one paragraph and I'd have to read it about 10 or 15 times to comprehend it. And then I was so mentally exhausted that I'd have to take a nap. It took me a month, but I, my, my pastor taught me how to ask the Lord. He showed me scriptures where it said, the Lord will teach you all things you have no need of a man to teach you anything. He said he said, the Lord can heal you of your learning disabilities and he taught me how to believe and trust God to heal me of my learning disabilities and now now here's the funny thing it's not really funny. Um, I only read I only read books about God because I can whip through those and get them. Books on inter- things to entertain or whatever. I'll read it for a few minutes and then my brain says, "Why are we reading this? This don't this don't help me." My spirit will say, "Go go read stuff that'll help." But I mean these books back here, if you go in my office, you'll see books upon books upon books. A Brian or Jackie, one of them asked me one day, they she said they said, "Did you have you read all of these books?" And I said, no, there's quite a few of them I still have to read. I said, but I've probably read a a good 50% of them. And many of that that I've read, I've read multiple times. Multiple times. See, God doesn't call the great people. He calls the people that have issues because I'm going to tell you right now, if you've complimented my preaching ever, I've told you every single time, it's not me, it's him. Because I can tell you for everything in me I can't do this without him.
0: So so why is Robbie telling you all this? It's it's exactly that because she, it God uses the foolish things of the earth to confound the wise or those that think they're wise. You know. Myself I I, I didn't struggle in school. It was it was too easy for me. I, I tested at a genius level in grade school. Not so much anymore. But I'm, I'm, still pretty, I'm, t- I'm still pretty smart, and I've always been pretty smart, and things have always come easy for me. I've always been able to figure things out. Given an, if, The only reason why I wouldn't be able to figure it out is if I didn't have enough information to figure it out, which happens. But I'll tell you, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He certainly does that with her. She confounds me all the time. She can run. She can run rings around me with, argue, with arguing the things of God, and it's amazing to watch. But here's the thing: Is, Has anybody here ever seen a turtle on a fence post? Yeah, you have. How did how'd that turtle get there? It, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't fly up there. He didn't crawl up there. He didn't climb up there. He didn't miraculously drop out of the sky and be there. Somebody put him there, right? Well, that's what God. That's what God wants us to be. He wants. He wants when people see us. When, he, when he, people see Robbie, they know that there's no way on earth that she got there without him. And no that's way. the way God wants us. That's what, he wants. Robbie he wants, is a very example of a fet- turtle on a fence post. He
1: wants you, and he <laughs> and, and he wants all of us to be turtles on fence posts. He wants all of us. Listen. Those of you that are sitting in here that said, man, I've had that call, but I just don't understand why God called me. He called you because you qualify as the foolish things of the world. He's call, You qualify as, let's keep reading this verse, these verses. Let's, keep, let's just read a little bit more. Verse 27. All right.
0: But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Listen.
1: He doesn't he doesn't call the superstar athlete. He calls the weaker people. And and some of this and some of this well where is it weak? Well, because I was not only did I have a learning problem, but I was very emotionally broken as a child. I was very emotionally broken. I thought that nobody wanted me. I thought that that I was I I, I mean I did. I I mean, I can look back now because I have the eyes of God now, and I can see that I was truly loved. But as a child, I felt like every person in my family just wanted me gone. That's the way I felt. I was so emotionally messed up. I, 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 all I could see was my weaknesses. All I could see was my messed up eyes. All I could see was the goofy red hair when everybody else in my family was blondes and different colors. All I could see was how I didn't... how I had tall, skinny people in my family, and I was the short, chubby one in my family. All I could see was I just did not fit. I was very broken emotionally. Michael, when we met, was very broken emotionally. We both come from broken families. We both come from families with a history of abuse in them. We both have, I mean, we, we just did. We both came from families... I mean, we had drugs and alcohol in our home. He had alcohol in his home. I had extreme. alcohol
0: and pornography in, in my home.
1: That's right. I mean, we came out of extreme weakness
0: and, and cigarettes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, and and I mean, we we came out of a I mean, we came into the world in a, in a true state of weakness, and and people look at us and they go, "Man, y'all just don't quit." I had uh, uh, Colby Jones. We were, we, I mean, we've been doing camp games at camp for years. And, I mean, it's a, it's a job and a half. And uh, Colby come out, and he said, we were standing there kind of towards the end of the day, at, at the end of camp one day, getting the trailer loaded and what have you. It was the last game section, and so we were kind of helping with that and kind of getting stuff packed at the same time. And, Robbie looked, uh, and Colby looked at me. He said, Miss Robbie, I said, yeah, honey. He said, I mean he said, I don't know any other way to say this but to use this terminology, so please don't take it offensively. And I said, No, you're fine, what is it? He said, Let me tell you. he said, Miss Robbie, he said, You and Mr. Mike are absolute beast. I mean, y'all are absolute beast. He said, Y'all are out here working here. He said, You're up early with your youth, you're keeping up with your youth, you're keeping up with your church. You're doing all of these games. Y'all don't stop. You're serving in the service. You're back out here doing this. Y'all are running like Energizer bunnies out here. He said, and I've not done a whole lot, and I am completely worn out. And he's 20-something. He's in his early 20s. And
0: physically fit. <laughs> and physically
1: fit. And he's like, I don't know how y'all doing. And I looked at him, and I said, Colby is the anointing. I said, because as soon as we drop these kids off, before we even leave the church parking lot, the anointing will lift, and we look at each other and go, how are we driving home? Well, I don't even know how we're going to drive home.
0: We're certainly not unpacking today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna we're, we're, Our tradition, we're going to stop at Mexican. We're going to drag in. They look at us and go, oh, my God, what happened to y'all? Since you camp, they go, oh, Okay. Because we do it every year, we eat and we drag out to the car. We drag into the house. The dogs are oh, all. We're like just, 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 just sit on us. It'll be okay. God makes us strong. Let's keep reading. I know we're on time, but we can do right. it. Uh, all okay. right. The weak things to confound the mighty. Oh, uh, the weak things of
0: the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are.
1: The base things are things that are considered low, of low esteem, very average or below average, very, nothing, nothing special going on here. Listen. Do you know how much work it takes to be girly? The guys are like, no. It takes so much work. Well, you look beautiful. Your hair is done. Your makeup's done. Your nails are done. Man, God's been teaching me for 50 years how to do all this stuff. And I still don't have it figured out. I go stand in my closet and go, Lord, what what do we do? What are we doing? I got my jewelry all fixed up to where it's all laid out. And I go to it, and I go, Lord, I don't don't know. What do I do? do? What do I do? Like, this is is complicated. This stuff is complicated. But yet, when you're in ministry, you're expected to give your best. Give God your best. Oh, glory. Give God your best. Fix your hair. Fix your makeup. I mean, before I got into ministry, a little thing of makeup, I, I, I literally wondered. The guys won't get this. The ladies will. I literally wondered. 'Cause you know, you hear guys come, oh, did she spend so much money on makeup. I don't know how she spends all that money before I came into ministry because I didn't understand it and I didn't get it and base very natural. Before I came into ministry, I had the same mascara, lipstick, and face foundation for probably it it literally got old and bad before I used it all. And now I, I'll pull out I, I pulled out my, my foundation while we were on, on the trip And I went to pump a little bit out, and it went, and I went, I've only had this like, I've only had this one like a month. Why is it empty already? Why, why does, this stuff's expensive, Lord. (laughs) This stuff's ridiculous. Listen, God will change you. He will change you, and he will help you, and you'll be able to look at people and say, this ain't me.
0: This ain't me. So why are we telling you all this? You know, we're showing you that God uses people that are broken. God uses people that aren't perfect. God uses people that don't think much of themselves. What's that? He used Moses. Moses tried to beg off and said, God, I can't spot Moses speak. was a murderer. I can't, I can't go speak to the king. I, 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 I can't stutter. speak. I study. I stutter. I have trouble talking to people. And you want me to go give them your words? I can't do that. But God said, "No, I want you you know God wants all of us see now when you when you think back on what we started out with there was the there was the twelve disciples and the seventy disciples, but there was multitudes of disciples, but only seventy got called got yeah, sure sent too. out got, got sent chosen. out on mission
1: now part of that has to do with the, with them doing their part, but part of it also has to do with this right here yeah.
0: and and why did, why did only 70 get sent out? Because the others didn't meet the qualifications. That's right. Well, some of the qualifications are you can't be perfect. Right. If <laughs> you're perfect, you don't need God anyway. Right. Right? Well, you do. If you think you're perfect, then you definitely need yep. God. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but many, many perfect people don't think they need God. That's right. Yeah. So that's why they're not qualified. Mm-hmm. You know? But the the the, the 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 broken ones, the the imperfect ones, they know they need God. That's
1: right.
0: And that's part that's the first qualification to being called.
1: One of the, one of the I just just hearing the Lord speaking, I know we're at time, but we want to hear from the Holy Ghost. One of the things I just heard the Spirit say is this He said I want to get it right, Lord, help me. God likes to use the people that know that without him they cannot overcome the devil. If you have to str- if you had to go through a period in your life where you had to struggle and fight your emotions, fear, anxiety, finances, feeling love, whatever, if you had to fight through that, then when you get the victory of that, you will know and understand I got the victory. Because of God. Whereas the, if you never went through those attacks, you'll never understand the people under your ministry that struggle with those things. And therefore, you will not be able to be moved with compassion.
0: See, yeah, I'm telling you, if you're struggling with things, if you think you're not worthy, if you think, you know, I've got all these problems, I can't do it, I can't do this, I can't even do life, God wants to use you. He wants to use all of us. Oh yeah. It, he called everyone. He called the whole world, but only a few get chosen. Yeah. So, if you're struggling with things and you think you're you're lost and and there's nothing but you love God, know that know that He wants to use you.
1: And also, and let me say this too: if you if you're a person that's hearing this, I know everybody in this house, so I can say we can talk about it this way. But if you're online and you say, "Man, I, I've never." I've never had the issues you're talking about. Does that mean God can't use me? Oh, no. No, God can use you. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to humble yourself, and you're going to always have to keep a guard on yourself to stay humble. Because let me tell you, as bad as I felt without God, when I got a hold of the authority... When I got a hold of power, when I got a hold of God teaching me, when I got a hold of, or I should say it this way, when the Holy Ghost got a hold of me and started flowing through me, people would come to me and build me up real big. Oh, you've got a special connection with God. Oh, you're gifted. Oh, man, you're a wonderful teacher. I mean, oh, God uses you to heal the sick. Oh, how wonderful. I mean, that will get to you. And you will get the swelled head, and you will begin to think that you are something very special. But if you are not, and if you are not careful, the devil, pride, the spirit of pride, will sneak in and take you down. How am I? Why am I saying this? Because I dealt with it. People were because I had gone so long without accolades. When accolades were coming, I got over on dangerous territory. Because I start, you start to get the swelled head.
0: And, the Lord, and I was
1: praying and the Lord said, you can't do anything that you're doing without me. And I said, Lord, you're absolutely right. I can't. And then he reminded me about how Dad Hagen, how Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen. And he told Dad Hagen, he said, be careful in two areas. Number one, never touch the glory. In other words, you may you always make sure to give God the credit, and number two, don't and be very careful about money. Don't ever let anybody pay you for what they receive from you because it's not you giving it to them; it's me.
0: Amen.
1: You can take tithes and offerings, but that is it. And so you have to be very careful in those two areas. So if you're somebody that says, well, I never had any problems, does that mean that God can't use me? No, if you'll humble yourself and and submit to God, God will use you. But in this particular service, we've got people in this house that have said, I'm called, but they're struggling because they can't figure out why God wants to use them. God wants to use you because you qualify. I want to read verse 29 and 30. He said, and here's why these are the qualifications, that no flesh should glory in his presence. The very reason that these are the qualifications is so that the person that is used by God will always say, they'll know within themselves, they will not be easily overtaken by Satan with this lie, it's you, not God. See, I know I know the improvements in my life. I know the changes in my life. I know what is me, and I know what is God, and I will always give him the glory for his part. And then verse 30 says this.
0: But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption.
1: See, my redemption, my sanctification, my righteousness... My wisdom is not mine. It's all God's. Amen. It's all Jesus's. And that's why God has chosen you is because you meet those qualifications. And, well, we only looked at one of these scriptures. There's more. You can find this in um, James chapter 2. You'll find it. You know, this is where, remember, Jesus said, you know, uh, the, the greatest is, is the least, and the least is the greatest. That's what he's talking about. Um, there's lots and lots of scriptures along this line, but these are the clearest of scriptures. And so uh, when Satan comes to you and says, Well, what makes you special? When Satan says, Are you kidding? Are you, are you kidding? You think God wants to use you? You can't even talk straight. You can't even understand what you read. You can't do this. Do you, are you kidding me? Do you know what your background is and you expect God to use you? You can look Satan square in the face and say, According to the scriptures, I qualify because I know without him I am nothing. I qualify because God makes me qualified. It's not about me. It's about me knowing that without him, I am nothing. And then, and if you'll tell that to Satan every time, if you'll just respond to him that way every single time, he will, in time, begin to leave you alone. Well, glory to God. Uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Well, I hope we help somebody tonight. Tithes and offerings. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.
0: Thank you, Zach.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you, Lord.
0: All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for being here with us. We thank you for leading and guiding us and showing us that we can that we can do all things through you and that that you have ca- called each and every one of us and that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us and and that you are the one that makes us able you are the one that equips the called not calls the equipped thank you so and much. lord we just we love you for that and we thank you that that you will make you will lead us you will guide us and you will equip us lord we thank you for that and we just The only thing we need to do is be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And as as we follow you, as we do what you tell us to do, things will fall into place and we will accomplish the mission that you you sent us out to, that you called us to. Lord, we just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Lord, we we, we give unto your kingdom. We thank you for this opportunity to give unto your kingdom. Uh, we, We... we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give into your kingdom with with um, gratefulness joy and, and joy and and excitement. Because Lord, we just know that your work will be done here on earth. We know that that with this offering, things will be done. And we ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work here on this earth, Lord. And and Lord, we just ask that you bless us back. That 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 we can become a bigger blessing. Lord, we just love you and we thank you. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You cannot take this word. You cannot stop us from our mission because we are the children of God and he backs us. Thank you, Lord.
1: Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we're so thankful that we get to sow a tithe and an offering so that we will not be... Accused of robbing you, and Father, we give you glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. and amen. Zach and serves the people. Just want to remind you, um, August fourth of this year, we will be fi- we will have completed five of our ten years. For those of you that were with us in the beginning, the, when we started the church, the Lord spoke to my heart and He said, "You got ten years to get ready." He didn't tell us what we were getting ready for. He just said, you got 10 years to get ready. And I, and I was writing the date on my check, and I said, look at that. I started to say, wow, y'all, look at that. We've we got 11 months to go. And when I, when I said that it, within myself, the Lord said, you've got, your, you, remind them, August, you've got five years left of the 10. Time goes by real fast. So don't let up on your walk with God. Continue to push in because God's going to do big, big things in us and through us. And uh, it's just going to be a wonderful time.